Father, as we do get into your word, once again, as we, as we listen just to the hearts of these guys, I, such a blessing, thinking about John, thinking about Peter here, and, and Lord, writing to their generation and things that are going on in their lifetime that they're dealing with as they do what we, as they're doing what we're all trying to do is just walk with you and have a relationship with you. And I pray that as Peter now is expressing to those followers of staying the course and trusting you, and, and Lord, I pray that that would minister to our hearts even when things are difficult, even when things aren't what we expected them to be, that we know we can still trust you and that you have not relinquished your throne. So God, give us ears to hear tonight. And let us, again, as was prayed earlier, let us go out those doors different than when we came in and men and women who are gonna rightly represent you in this world and bring you honor and glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we left off last time we were in Peter, we left off dealing with marriage and relationships there. And then also the, the idea of working together and being together and loving one another. Now he's going to shift a little bit. He's going to talk to us a little bit about, about suffering. And I think it's a shame when people begin to think that suffering means you're not blessed. That's not... That's not biblical. You can be completely blessed and suffer. And so Peter's gonna express that, and I think Peter had a handle on it. I think he understood. I think, I think Peter suffered from some of the consequences of things he had done, and you know, and, and I'm talking mostly emotional. I mean, hey, he denied Jesus, and he had to deal with that, and he had to get that back together. And then also, I know that later in life, he suffered and was martyred. So listen, he's gonna communicate that to us, but then he's also gonna to communicate to us about trusting God, not just in suffering, but trusting, and trusting that he's still on the throne. I found it interesting, I want you to reflect back, not right now, because I want you to listen to me, but I want you to, I want you to think about, especially the first two songs we sang tonight, and what we're gonna read. I'm always blessed when it comes completely together. Like, Pastor Rob doesn't come to me and say, hey, what are you teaching so I can pick out the songs? I mean, oftentimes you'll say about where we at or what's going on, but uh, we haven't talked to each other in like months. No, I'm just kidding. So, but listen, it always blesses me when God puts things together. And I think especially those first two songs with what Peter is writing to us about and challenging us with. So he starts here in verse 13 and he says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good. So he's saying, man, who can, right? Doesn't it sound almost like Paul in Romans chapter eight? Who shall then say these things if God is for us? Who can be against us, right? Peter experiencing that same thing and he's saying, listen, let's be people. He says, listen, let's be people who we know. They may come against us. Hey, they can destroy your body, but they can't destroy your salvation. You know, I, I often think this way. I, I often think for me, I often think about, you know, what's the worst thing you can do to me? The worst thing you could do to me is maim me and not send me to heaven. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know, if, if you're gonna do it, shoot me. Shoot me hard and get me done. And don't just, I don't just wanna be maimed. I want all the way, right? 
I'm often reminded of a lady that had been to a Bible study at, at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, <coughs> and, she, and she'd had a horrible day. A horrible day, she went to Bible study. After Bible study, she was at a grocery store someplace in Orange County, and a guy came up, knocked on the window, and had a gun. And she rolled her window down and said, just shoot me. She says, I have had a horrible day. I'm ready to go be, be with Jesus. Just shoot me. And he left. But <laughs> listen, isn't, isn't that kind of what, isn't that kind of what, what he's telling us here? He says, who, who can harm you if you become followers what is good? Don't ever forget that. And listen, we're tempted. We're tempted at times to compromise and change because we're afraid of what might happen. But man, we need to trust Jesus. So now, listen, now he's gonna kind of develop that whole thought and really challenges us. In verse 14, he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness or for righteous sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats nor troubled. That's coming out of Isaiah 8. And it's interesting, listen, here's what he's saying. Even if you do suffer, so what? So what? You're suffering for righteous. You're suffering because you're doing the right thing. And you have that, that in your heart and you know that. And then he quotes Isaiah. And the interesting thing about this quote, I mean, it's a great quote to think about. And you know, do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But it's also interesting when Isaiah was speaking. So now we go from Peter. We go way back when Isaiah was speaking. Syria and Israel were forming an alliance and, and getting ready to, to do some serious damage, and they're calling Judah, the, 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 the king of Judah, Ahaz, to come and join them. And they told him, you don't join us, you're gonna be history. Kind of interesting when you think about wars all, you know, all the time, the big guys are gonna stomp the little guys, right? And so he's threatening him, and Isaiah speaks to Ahaz, and here's what he says, don't worry about those guys. In other words, you don't want to follow those guys, don't worry about it, and I, you know, I'm going to use modern language, chill out, you're going to be okay. And sometimes we think when the more powerful are coming against us or towards us, we have to compromise and we have to do that. And the Lord's saying we don't have to do that, we can stand our own, and he says even if you suffer doing that, it's okay. It's gonna be all right. Now again, I don't think anybody looks forward to suffering. If you do, you're weird, right? We don't look forward, we don't want it, we don't wanna bring it on. But we need to know, as believers, we're not promised all of the you know, health and wealth and everything that people, we're, we're people who are gonna walk with Jesus and I've read my Bible, it says that all who wanna live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So Peter's kind of letting us know that. But even going further, listen, he goes a little bit further. In verse 15, he says, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts. <coughs> now I want to stop there for a minute. I know the rest of it's important. But do you hear what he says? How can I walk through suffering for righteousness? How can I walk through that and not be tainted by that? There's only one way. By sanctifying the Lord Christ in my heart by setting myself aside for him and understanding, making sure that I'm following him and walking with him and trusting him. We kind of sang that, didn't we? 
They kind of kind of said those words. It always amazes me when sometimes we're singing songs. I've been studying this. It's kind of in my heart. And then, then I get convicted. Do I really mean those words I'm singing? Am I really singing them honestly, or am I just singing words? And so he's telling us we need to do that. So we need to stop and, and sanctify, set the Lord apart in our hearts. And then is the one that we use in apologetics a lot, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, uh, who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's kind of the chant of apologetics. We always have to be ready. And listen, I think it's important, but the only way I'm gonna be ready, listen to what he says. I have to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart. And when I sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ, then I need to be prepared, ready to give an answer to somebody, ready to talk to somebody. When somebody asks me, why do you believe in Jesus? It's really bad just to say, uh, because. Now, why do you trust him? What are the reasons that you believe what you believe? And I think it's important that he does say we need to do it with what? Meekness and, and, and fear. We need to be people who, hey, we're people that we're gonna do this in a, in a godly way. It's easy to get aggressive. I was reading, I was reading a little bit on, on this section from R.C. Sproul, and if you know anything about R.C. Sproul, great apologist. And, uh, you know, and, you know, on this one verse, he wrote way too much. But it was interesting. He said he was having a discussion, a discussion with another guy who was a professor of philosophy who had a doctorate. And R.C. started talking to him about defending the faith and said something. And here's what the guy said to him. It kind of broke his heart. The guy said, yeah, you can do that because you're an intellectual bully. Mm. Saints, we don't defend the faith by being bullies. We do it with meekness and fear. And we have to be careful. We may, listen, we may have a great understanding. We may have a great grasp on what we believe. But don't bully people with what you believe. Be somebody that you're, you know, I, I think we need to be gentle and kind and persuasive and convincing, right? And he says, listen, we do that. So how do we do that? It all starts with sanctifying the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and getting to that place. And then, listen, we need to be students. We need to study. You're not going to, listen, you're not gonna become a good defender of the faith by sitting here and listening to me. I think it's good, I wanna equip you, but you gotta do your own work. You gotta dig in, you gotta get it, you gotta get it in you. So that's, and again, that's Peter and I think Peter was, if you go back and read Acts, once Peter came back to the Lord, weren't some of his messages awesome? Where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit working and it came from him setting apart. So, so listen, we need to do that. We need, to people, <coughs> we need to be people who do that. And then in verse 16, he goes a little bit further. So we're gonna do that with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience. Do you ever walk away from a discussion with somebody and your conscience is not so good. Do you guys ever blow it in conversations? You're talking to somebody and they say something, you say something, then they say something a little louder and you say something a little louder, kind of like the song we sing, right? Sing a little louder and we get louder and louder and then you go away and you're going, oh man, I stink. Hopefully you go away thinking that. 
Now, I don't want you going away thinking they stink, but, you know, you go away, man, how could I do that? And listen, so, so then at that time, we don't have a good conscience, but when we, when we set the Lord apart and we really sanctify him in our hearts, have you ever been in one of a, a, an extremely tense situation and you did it good? And you go away and you have that good conscience. Whenever I do that, here's what I do. Man, when I do that and walk away from that, I get on my knees and I go, thank you so much, Jesus. Because I know that was you, not me. I know you kept me there because I so, that's so not me. So listen, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. You want them to be ashamed by their actions, not you being ashamed by your actions. So let's do that. And again, I was thinking about when we were singing. Let's be people who do that. I don't want us to just read Peter and go, you know, those are good passages. I really believe that. I really think we need to do that. But then we don't walk it. We need to be people. We're going to live this. We're going to flesh this out in our lives. We're going to start. We're going to start. I think it starts with the home, right? I think it starts with our closest relationships. And we gotta work those and make those work. And we expand it out and expand it out and expand it out. And pretty soon, listen, pretty soon we're people where we're reaching people that we never thought we were gonna reach because why? Because we have that attitude and that heart. Go back and read the Gospels. Hopefully you're reading through them as we're reading through the Bible. And just watch what Jesus does. You know, the old WWJD thing. Remember, what would Jesus do? And just stop and think, man, look at the situations he got in that he never let it blow out of proportion. And we need to be those people. Oh, one more thing, and then we're gonna get into some tricky stuff. One more thing, four, verse 17, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Amen, right? I mean, it's really, it's really better if you get busted for doing something good and you have to deal with that, then it's not so much fun when you're busted for doing something evil, right? I remember one time, one time in school I was innocent. One time. <laughs> and I got kicked out of the class. I was doing nothing. I was doing my work, which was extraordinary. And I was doing my work, and the teacher didn't even look up from their desk. Somebody did something. The teacher didn't even look up. And he said, Lazovich, out. I said, seriously? Out. Get out. Now, I didn't mind so much missing the class, because that's fine. I was used to that. But I was just mad that I got busted when I was doing something good. And I, my locker was, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, right by his door. I opened my locker. I threw my book, and I slammed my locker and he came out and he goes, what's the deal? And I go, I was not doing anything this time. <laughs> I said, I was doing what you told us to do and I wasn't doing anything. And he said, really? And I go, yeah, I was innocent. I know it's hard. It's hard to imagine. And here's what he said. Okay, but stay out of the class anyway. So I suffered for doing good. Didn't even know it. I wasn't even a Christian. But do you ever feel that way sometimes? Like, come on, man, I was doing the right thing. Here's the thing we need to know. God is on his throne. God's not gonna relinquish his throne. And when bad comes against you, you need to know it's okay. 
So he sets that up. Listen, he sets that up now. <clears throat> now he gets into this section that is a little bit difficult. You know, it's to me kind of odd. We hit two difficult sections in 1 John, and now we hit this one, and I'm thinking, I, I gotta find it easier books to teach, <laughs> right? I mean, you're going like, oh. So the, I don't think, to me, this first part is not real difficult. Commentators say it's difficult. So verse 18 for Christ also suffered or died once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go on. I want to stop there and just do that one. I think that, I think that one makes sense. I read that, and again, I'm, I'm your simple pastor. I read stuff, and I go, well, that's not real difficult, I don't think it's hard what he says. I mean, you might have to change the, die, the suffered to die, but he died for our sins. That's biblical. That's throughout the Bible. And he's just, and he died for the unjust. That's throughout the Bible. That he might bring us to God. That's what it's all about, right? I think this is one of the simplest statements of the gospel. And he gives it and, and what it means for us. And then he says, he says, that he was put to death in the flesh. I think that's true. The problem with brainiacs is then they read this, but made alive by the Spirit, and they go, well, you know, the S isn't capitalized in the original language, and is he saying he was made alive spiritually? No, Jesus was, listen, Jesus was made alive in the flesh. So he's not talking about that. You know, and, and again, I think it's pretty simple. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, God did. And technically, Jesus did, and technically, the Spirit, he was made alive by the Spirit. He was brought back, listen, he was raised from the dead. I don't think that's real hard. I think verse 18 is pretty simple. I read pages and pages and pages and pages that wanted to disagree with me. And they wanted to make it very complicated and very difficult. Saints, as we keep things simple, it's a lot easier to trust God. Have you found that out? I, don't, I think it's bad when we like, complicate things. And then here's what I think happens. For those of us that barely got out of high school, when people make it complicated, here's what, here's what we think. Well, I can't be a very good Christian because I'm not a really smart person. I don't have a high IQ. I don't have letters behind my name. And so I can't understand, and I surely can't understand the Bible. Listen carefully. You can understand your Bible. In the original Greek, it was written in a very common Greek language for very common people. And God did, does not want the Bible hidden from anybody. He doesn't want you to think it's not, you're not good enough for it. I'm talking about intellectually, not, not morally. It's important that we understand that. So when you read something and it kind of makes sense to you, I think, you know, Don Stewart, I think, says it often. He says, if the first sense makes sense, look for no other sense, lest you find nonsense. <laughs> right? So be careful. So I think this is real sense. I think this is like, okay, I don't have a problem. Now, now I'm going, again, why do we have verse 19, 20? Now, 21's not bad, but I'm thinking, Peter, why did you put that? And once again, always remember, he's writing to people who are closer to the situation, 
and better understanding. But again, I don't think it's real hard. And he says, by whom? So he's raised by the Spirit. By whom? He also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison who, were for, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering or the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Okay. What on earth are you talking about, Pete? Are you bringing that up and you're going, what, 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 what's he talking about? So I'm gonna kinda, I'm gonna kinda tiptoe through this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk along, well, probably I will. I don't wanna make it real complicated, but I, I want us to, to kinda look at it, do a little bit of investigating. It's called inductive Bible study. Kinda think through some things and not get too caught up. So first of all, he's saying, listen, he's saying, was made alive by the Spirit, by whom? By, what does that mean, by whom? I think you gotta go back to the Spirit, right? By whom? By the Spirit, right? So by the Spirit, also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. A couple things, and this is where it can help to have some original language expertise or Google. <laughs> Preach there doesn't mean like evangelistic sharing the gospel. That's not what that means. The original word means this, proclaimed. Okay, so kind of keep that in mind. He proclaimed something. So he went and he made a proclamation, right, to the spirits in prison who were formerly disobedient. So who, who's he talking about? Spirits in prison, who's he talking about? And what prison are they in? And what's going on? Obviously, I don't think he was visiting like the Cochise County Jail, something like that. I don't think he's talking about that, right? <coughs> so what exactly, what, and, and then he brings up Noah and that whole situation. So a lot of people, if you're familiar with, with the Noah part of the Bible, right? Right before Noah built the ark, there's the whole Genesis chapter six, big dilemma. There's all kinds of, opinions, only two matter, I found out, but there's a lot of different theories. And here's the thing, in that section it says, the sons of God came and married the daughters of men, and at that time there were Nephilim. And then evil had come, and God destroyed the world. I'm giving you a nutshell. So obviously it's during that time that he's talking about, that, that Peter's talking about here, right? He says, who were formerly disobedient when uh, God was long-suffering and waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So what is he talking about? Well, let's kind of investigate. So spirits in prison. Some people say, some people say, well, he came by the spirit and they say that he was speaking to the lost in Noah's day through Noah. Are you, are you kind of getting it? Because he came by the spirit and he worked through Noah and he's talking in Noah's day. Uh, what's the context? The resurrection of Jesus, right, is the context. The context is he was raised, and we're, we're in that context. So I don't think that's what he's talking about, although you can read a lot about that if you read some of the commentaries on this section. So I don't think he's talking about those people necessarily. 
And then the other big one is, if you're familiar, so a lot of people say the sons of God in Genesis chapter six are angels. And angels came and married women and made these half angel, half human beings who were called the Nephilim. Because it says in the Nephilim were there in those days. And so there's that whole theory. Godly men hold to that. One of my best friends, Robert Furrow, holds, holds to that. He's absolutely wrong, but he holds to that. <laughs> and so you have that, that whole line of thought. John MacArthur's another one. You know, it's funny. I was reading R.C. Sproul on this, and R.C. Sproul said, my good friend John MacArthur believes the opposite of I, you know, that he does. And I thought, eh, that's like me and Robert, right? They're good friends. They completely disagree what it means, and they're both brilliant, and they're both godly men. Now, I wouldn't say Robert and I are brilliant, but I think we're semi-godly. But listen, so you, it's okay to disagree. And then I get in MacArthur's commentary on this. Eight pages trying to tell me that it's, it's angels he's talking. I th I'm thinking, just stop, just stop. So he went way overboard. Now, why do I think, it, just here, I, I have an opinion about Genesis, but we're not gonna go there. Just here, why do I think he's not talking about angels? I don't think he's talking about angels. Why? Okay, in verse 19, he says, and he went and he preached to the spirits. The Greek word is, is the word for pneuma, spirits. Go down to verse 22. And he talks about Jesus going to heaven, who has gone into heaven, and it's the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Ah, why in 22 does he use a word for angel, a whole different word, but then you're saying to me in verse 18, he's gonna use a different word. Are you with me? That's, that's just, you know, and even in the English, it's two different words, right? Spirit, angel. So I don't think he's talking about fallen angels. You can believe that if you want. You can believe he's doing the whole thing because it's just because he brings in Noah. If you left Noah out of this and not done it. So what else could he be talking about? Well, I think, listen, I think he's talking about, I, he's talking about people or the spirits who were disobedient when God was being patient in the days of Noah, was building the ark, preparing the ark, in which uh, a few, that is, eight souls were saved. Everybody else died. But you need to understand something. People who died prior to the resurrection of Christ and even today, people who die, I think we, we think this, unbelievers do not go to this place we call hell. They go to the place of the dead. That lake of fire, what biblically is hell, is reserved for the final judgment. So they're in a place of death. It's not good. According to, and you can do this for homework, according to Luke chapter 16, it's a place of torment. But it's not what we consider that lake of fire, the final torment. That's to come because they still have to go through the great white throne judgment. So all of that's to come. So I believe, listen, I believe, and the Bible substantiates this. Jesus went, and what does it say? He descended into the lower earthly regions and he led captivity captive. That is all of the souls that had died before him who were believers. He led them because he was the firstborn uh, that went to heaven, and then he led those, and when he went and released those captives, all of the other spirits who were disobedient saw that, 
that was a proclamation to them of the victory of Christ. I think that's what he's talking about. I know that's a little complicated. Some of you fell asleep during that. Sorry. But I think that's what he's talking about. He's, listen, he led them and he proclaimed to the disobedient spirits of the victory that he has. Okay, so I'm gonna go with that. You can go with either of the other two uh, or you can make your own one up. So some people do. But I, I believe, listen, I believe that's what he's talking about. They were disobedient in the days of Noah. And then he says, listen, I think it's important. He says, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight, were saved through water. How are they saved through water? Listen carefully. The water separated them from all who died, and they were above the water in the ark, right? So they're saved. Yes. Now Peter gets a little bit more complicated. It's like, why do you bring these things up? And he says, so, right? There, verse 21, is also an antitype which now saves us. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't just say that. Why, Peter, why? Why are you doing this? So he says there's an antitype which saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, why does he say it like that? So my Bible, I, does, your guys, does your guys' Bible have that one part where he says, now there's an anti-type which saves us baptism, and then you have a parenthesis, right? And then the parenthesis goes all the way to uh, a good conscience toward God. So let's read it this way. Listen, and I think we'll get a clearer picture. Let's read it this way. There's also an anti-type which now saves us, baptism, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh. How does baptism and the resurrection of Jesus Christ come together? Well, if you're thinking about water baptism, you're thinking about the wrong baptism. And he almost says that, doesn't he? He says, it's not the washing. It's not, he basically says, we're not talking about water here. What are we talking about? the Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ, that baptism is the type of what, what saved Noah and, and the people of the ark being separated from death, right? What saves us? The blood of Jesus Christ and our faith in his resurrection that saves us, and it says, listen, then we're baptized by the Spirit through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I, when we're born again, are raised from the dead. Aren't we? Some of you go, I don't feel that right now, man. I'm feeling pretty dead tonight. <laughs> I'm not talking about dead dead. I'm talking about spiritually dead. <coughs> so I don't think he's talking about water baptism. I think, I think it's a big stretch to, to get into the water baptism issue of that and I'm just going to go with that if you want to believe in water baptism you have a problem because now you're saying baptism saves you baptism does not save you water baptism I think is important I think it shows we're identifying with Christ I think it shows we're being obedient but you don't have to be baptized to be saved and so I don't I, I can't buy that he's saying that at all all right, so that's all the hard stuff. Now the good stuff. This, this part I can handle. 
Verse 22, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Just stop there. Do you believe that? Yeah. He rose from the dead bodily by the Spirit and he's in heaven and he's at the right hand of God and here's what I love and he's on our side. When you were growing up and dad said no, did you ever go to mom? Some of you go, no. I went to, no, no. But you kind of do that, right? And I kind of like the idea, listen, I kind of like the idea, we just bypass the whole thing, we just go to Jesus. And, you know, he, he deals with the Father. Not that the Father's evil, but he's at the right hand. He's at the power of God, and he's sitting there. And we need to know that, we need to understand that. Then greater than that, greater than that, listen, not only is he at the right hand of God, it says here, he's at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. What is he talking about? God is, has dominion, Jesus has dominion over everything. We need to believe that. We need to believe he has authority over everything, even, listen carefully, even the demons. Remember when he was here? Did you read the Gospels? Remember when he was here? Did the demons ever say no to Jesus? Nope. They obeyed him, didn't they? So even before he died and rose again, they had to obey him. And we need to understand that. So I'm, I'm taken from this. We don't need to be people who live in fear. We need to be people who know who our God is. And I love, listen, sometimes we gotta work through the complicated stuff so that the simple stuff is a little bit brighter and turns up a little bit more because all of a sudden that other stuff starts to make sense and we go, okay, if this is true, then I can go back up to this and I can believe this. And then I can go all the way back, listen, I can go all the way back to verse 13 and say, I can believe that. If 22 is true, all the rest of it has to be true. And he's our God and we can trust him. So do bad things happen to good people? Sure. It always bothers me when people say that. What do bad things happen to good people? Well, let's define good. (laughs) Bible says none is good except God. So, but I get what we're saying. And sometimes we don't have answers. Sometimes we, there's, no, there's no reasonable answer we can give, but we just have to believe. And that's called walking by faith and trusting God. So Peter, Peter's someone who understood a lot of what he's just talked about because he's kind of gone through the ringer. Peter knows what it's like to have a bad conscience. Peter knows what it's like to have a good conscience. And so remember, remember when you're kind of going through that time. Number one, sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Set him apart and get to that place and trust him and believe him. And I believe, I believe you can walk through the fire because there is another in the fire. And we need to know that, right? 
Let's stand up and pray. <coughs> Father, we, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. God, I thank you that we have this challenge here. And Lord, I'm not thinking of the challenge where we kind of have to walk through some scriptures and try and figure things out. I thank you for the challenge that we have for all of us. Lord, when people are coming against us, things aren't going good, we're being persecuted or whatever, that's not joy. It's not something that we can just sit and, and always just like, well, this is fine. But God, help us to trust you in those hard times. Once again, we sang it. In a fight on my knees, there's another in the fire. And we sing those words, and if they're, they're true, then we need to oftentimes flesh them out in day-to-day -day life. All of us are in this thing we call life. And there are times where it's so extraordinarily good that we can't believe it. And there are times where it's so extraordinarily bad, we can't believe it. So I pray that you would teach us to trust you. To set our eyes on you and set our hearts on you. And I'm asking now that you just stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight and you're at that place where you're even maybe having a little bit of a hard time understanding the whole idea of this one who died and rose again for you. The Bible was very clear. He paid a price. He was the just who died for the unjust. And the Bible says that we are all unjust. Everyone has sinned. And everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. So I want to challenge us all, or challenge you tonight. Where are you at with him? Have you become honest? Have you come to God and let him know that you know that you're a sinner? Do you understand that you've offended a holy God by sinning? Because that's what the Bible says. And that what you've earned, what you deserve is the eternal wrath of God. All of that's bad news. That's not good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ, as we read, the just died for the unjust. And he rose again to prove that his payment on the cross was enough for your sins. So tonight, he holds out to you that, that gift of salvation right now, that receipt that says all of your debt is paid in full, I took care of it. So if you wanna receive that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And you say this prayer with me out loud, you can say it silently. If you're watching online, you can, you can say this prayer with us right where you're at. If you're backslidden, tonight is the night to come home. Come back to Jesus. You came in this church for a reason. And listen, you maybe have been here for a long time, and God is working on your heart. Hey, if I'm speaking truth and you don't, you don't have that salvation, don't be ashamed to let the Lord know. So say this prayer with us. Jesus Tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to forgive my sins. God, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your salvation. And now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.